0: Welcome to YouTube's favorite comic book channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscore. I'm Jim Rugg. I'm going to take a look at uh, an uncensored, controversial sketchbook from uh, the great Robert Crumb. He just uh, spent about a month, month and a half, man, doing a tour of America. Man, I'm seeing photos of him popping up at Drew Friedman's studio, Dan Clow's studio. He's kicking it with Glenn Bray. He's kicking it in Cincinnati, Ohio with Miss Carol Tyler. He was here in PA on the day that we went uh to we were on the news he was uh at, at, at a state college man you know we we sacrificed that trip to be on the news but uh super fun stuff to look at first we got to let you guys know that we have a patreon and at that patreon if you're a king kayfaber you're able to kick it with us right now as we record these videos and uh you're mitigating the kayfabe effect because you get the videos before anybody else we're celebrating cartoonist kayfabe comic book christmas in july it's going to be the last saturday in july jimmy and i are encouraging you to take your accumulated comic book doubles your old comics that you don't think you're going to read anymore spread those around town uh, at your free little lending libraries that are in your various neighborhoods and around the city jimmy and i are doing the same last year uh, we instituted this initiative for the very first time and uh, thousands of people showed up and tagged us in photos, showed us the cool lending libraries, and we're excited to continue this tradition and make it a tradition uh, over over the next bunch of years. But without further ado, man, let's look at the Tashin version of the Robert Crumb sketchbook, volume two, uh, covering the period between September 1968. January 1975, man, that's quite, quite a section of time, man. Certainly a big, important section of time, for uh, for Robert Crumb. And off the bat, you know, there goes your controversial imagery that persists to uh, to haunt him for for forevermore. But the uh, one of the reasons I'm interested in looking at this, Jimmy, is kind of going off of a conversation we had very recently. Uh, on a Kayfabe Weekly, where we were discussing the idea of natural cartooning. The idea of just, like, not binding yourself to the, you know, accepted rules of cartooning and drawing and allowing for there to be a little bit of uh, a hand in the art, a little bit of wobble. And uh, you, you can get there just by working in straight ink. This episode is brought to you
1: by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. Three different levels will give you access to our videos early, and at the King Favor level, you'll get access to all of our videos as well as the recording session. These videos are also brought to you by the books that we make, and we've got a big year ahead. Coming up from Ed Piscor is The Hip Hop Family Tree, Omnibus, you see it on screen, Gold Foil. This is going to be the beautiful book of the season. 500 plus pages, including all of The Hip Hop Family Tree comic, plus 140 extra pages just for the Omnibus. Pre-order that one today. There's also a big collection of X-Men Grand Design, all three of the Grand Design X-Men volumes in one convenient location. That'll be out before the end of the year, perfect as a holiday gift. And the final season of Red Room, Crypto Killers. Issue one is already out, issue two on the right here, coming very soon, an entire series, every issue self-contained, the perfect jump on spot for new readers or longtime Red Room fans. My next book is Street Angel Princess of Poverty coming out later this year from Image Comics, The Homeless Ninja on a Skateboard. This collects all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, also available back and back in print from Image Comics, Hulk Grand Design, Oversized Fluorescent Green Treasury Edition now available, and the first young adult graphic novel, The Plain Janes, and my latest comic book, True Crime Funnies, self-published, written and drawn by me, featuring three non-fiction short stories available now on my website and now back to the video i was going to say that's that's what i see here as you're flipping pages and uh that spontaneous drawing right yeah and you know i've heard other cartoonists talk about this explicitly the idea of like you're starting wherever on this page and now you want to finish that drawing however that finish may look um you know it's almost problem solving but if you work this way you learn to think this way and this is the second volume that we're into of Robert Crumb working this way, and I think he may work this way his whole life, who knows. Uh, but you do develop those skills, and it's a thought process. It's a facility with the actual drawing tool and the combination of being able to record what you see spontaneously on the
0: page, or near spontaneously. If you take a look at the very earliest complete Crumb comics, so volume one and two, take a look at his, his two-man comics that he does with uh, Charles Crumb. You could easily identify both of their artwork on the same page. Charles Crumb has this almost ink-like confidence in his pencil line. It is You could tell that he's pushing down hard on the page and he has these very definite shapes that he's using and is a very solid great cartoonist. The Robert Crumb portion is noodly, sketchy, lacks confidence, and uh, is unsure of itself. Drawing in straight ink in this way I think shores up that confidence a little bit that will tighten up your pencils.
1: Yeah, it's always borderline depressing to me to look at these because I'm so far from being able to do this. Yeah. And you see it as pure cartooning, whether it's the inclusion of word balloons or even like drawing panels and sometimes strips on some of these pages, you know, like these mock-up covers with incredible lettering and composition and the idea that you're just putting these down is just like
0: yeah tough. it's insane because like the lettering feels right you know the spacing feels right the size of the letters the letting and kerning feels correct still doing those life drawings man i was gonna
1: say the observational drawing's huge
0: this is one of those things man i was thinking about some dudes some of the comics that we've been covering the past couple weeks man are really hitting nostalgic buttons and shit and and, uh and there are guys that i drew with that that, who could the other kids who could draw in school right and i would they would be interested in comics and i would tell them like guys i'm reading interviews in wizard and everybody's saying like we gotta like learn how to draw a chair and like we got to learn to draw buildings so i started to take little field trips down to oakland uh to get my comics but i would hang out there for the day draw the buildings and sketchbooks and stuff all my homeboy jason would do is draw sagat from street fighter 2 doing a jump kick like that was the only drawing that he would do and he copied it from um the manual inside of uh street fighter 2 and that's that's all he was interested in doing man and drawing guns mac tens and shit like that but i'm like dude i, th- I think we like we've got to figure out how 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 to um the folds and clothes work
1: yeah here we go with like the comics st- comics in your sketchbook amazing this ability to do i mean that was a good page that yeah. whole page was impressive yeah for sure uh, so but it's not his first page, you know? I mean, that's that's the real takeaway. Like, if you want to work this way, you got to work this way. And it's going to involve probably a sketchbook's worth of this stuff before you get to volume one. His, his ability, and I've said this before when we look at the previous volume, to go from this kind of stuff where, like, that's cartoony, but it's also much more rendered than something like this whenever I say cartoony, or this. If you had the Scott McCloud triangle of, like, the different styles that go from cartoony to realistic you know to the sound effect you could populate most of that pyramid with what you find in this sketchbook
0: yeah it's out of control
1: you also see the part of uh, Americana you know the little building studies the different types of people that he's seeing and, and drawing from
0: just a type of furniture you know it's really rooted In observation that's one of the things that really uh excited me about his work uh i got that one issue of anything goes with the ninja turtles on the cover and there's like a four page like duck story or some gooses or something and like the lighting on these teacups i was paying attention to the shading on tires i was i was paying attention to and i'm just like i've never seen it done this way in comics before very horny period for uh for crumb is there a period that isn't? There really is. <laughs> and uh, we are—we just ain't there yet. <laughs> we just ain't there yet.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Um, I was thinking as we go through, you know, second volume here and as we continue to go through these sketchbooks, it'll, I'm curious to see the changes, yeah. you know, if there's something that you can observe. Because like seven years from the beginning of this to the end of this is significant. You hear about like our cells replenish. You know, you don't have a cell older than seven years in your body. Right, yeah. Um,
0: you know, so, like, you're
1: getting certainly a, a big period of time.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you compare this to the first volume, there's so much different. He's really starting to figure out crosshatch with meaning. Uh, in, in his the first volumes, it would be a lot of, like, parallel line hatching that would not go around the form. And he would do it almost as color and stuff like that. But, like, you see him going with the form much more uh and having an understanding of that and you know he's talked even in recent interviews that crosshatch is something that he's been chasing you know for his whole life to try to get that that correct and i do think that that is what um you will see i like these pages where there's clearly like two tools on the page i I don't think that it's a conglomeration of different sketchbook pages Um, here's an interesting idea
1: we talk about like um changing technology yeah this kind of drawing is essentially chasing a technology based in engraving. Yeah. You know, like, in a weird way, this just isn't used anymore. You know, like, you probably won't see people... Now, if somebody's drawing this way, it's a reference to this, as opposed to a reference to, like, the original people that had to draw that way in order to have that be a commercial illustration or to have that commercial... Or to have that illustration reproduced for people to
0: see it. Yeah, it's true. He, uh, with that Crumb documentary he really changed the way everybody saw their sketchbooks, man. Like I think everybody, after you see that doc, like goes through a phase where you got to get that rapidograph and uh, do just straight ink drawing. When I see this page, it makes me think like, this is a writer. Mm -hmm.
1: And I say that because like a writer would make observations, but they'd be describing maybe the character that's making that statement. Whereas here it's like, well, I'll describe it with the drawing. And then I'll have the words, you know, as as a vital part of it. But you'll have context because you'll look at the image. You'll look at the character.
0: I do believe... uh, There's a couple of different pens on that page. Absolutely, man. It looks like even Sharpie Marker. That's stunt, man. That's showing off. Here's what I meant to say before, dude. I said it before. I'll say it again. These sketchbook works are as important, if not more important, works of Robert Crumb than the comics. They're a vital piece of R. Crumb fine artist. They are, and they, I mean, they're literally what...
1: When you say cartoon, this is falls under that category. You know, it's that's a bit of a lost art. You don't see that anymore either, uh, at least not in that traditional sense of the word cartoon. And if you look at, like... Um, the Comics Journal has written about this extensively. Like, whenever they did their top hundred list, they include these for all the reasons that we've said, and, and then some... Uh, but it is like literally cartooning. You know, it's shorthand of what he's observing around him, and in a way, it's a more acute version of it.
0: It's true, uh, but you know, like we're so early, the late, the later. Uh this is absurd. Pieces.
1: This is just ridiculous, <laughs> this section. Yeah. This feels like what a fertile period he's going through here. What was going on in his life at this point? Was this like the post weird LSD? Uh, you know, like this is phenomenal. Like we've gone through several pages to get here. Now we're at pages in the 200s and it's like something has
0: leveled up. Right. Good Lord he will get into more observational drawing like pieces like this mm-hmm. you know this whole page i remember this is in that artistic comics sketchbook that uh dennis kitchen put together and that's the thing like i would get these i would get these drips and drabs of his work and it would be this that would fucking just fascinate me so much i love the double lighting it makes me understand i could look at his work and understand what what the double lighting is like okay that's a reflection of light off of that
1: you talked earlier about his cross hatching and learning cross hatching and i realize these are dashes less than cross hatching but you see him doing a cylinder there and then you come over here and go oh look at these legs you know it's applying this observational drawing to these cartoons now that i'm drawing that hey the legs are cylinders how do you draw that
0: same as your hot water tank yeah we'll said damn somebody somebody's in traction jimmy poor simon these are classic images that are in that uh, artistic comics book, and of course, for those playing at home that are that 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 you know don't realize it, this is the sketchbook material that Crumb did trade for that like villa in France.
1: This is pretty cool, like seeing him you know essentially trying the same character, the same reference, <laughs> doing doing the thing, man.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, because drawing M- hands isn't hard enough. How about this for negative space playing around? Because you know he's not drawing those figures first. How about this, man? Drawing Plastic Man. Yeah. <laughs> he'd be a good Plastic Man artist. I mean, I guess he'd be a good artist at anything, but Plastic Man's a funny one to think of
0: him. I could see, you know, he doesn't often re- reference guys like Jack Cole, but I could see that being a part of his repertoire.
1: That's the right time period.
0: I remember this in the uh, coffee table book.
1: This kind of cartooning amazing. And I mean, it's got to be a reference to, uh, not a reference, but I mean, it's editorial type of cartooning, right? You know, not a reference, but I just feel like he looks at everything and it's just internalizing. Oh, go back one. There's a famous, I feel like this is a really famous.
0: Yeah. There would be something very close to that. That would be a great uh, weirdo cover. Yeah. Is that Dennis kitchen? Hmm. Interesting. You wonder if he goes back
1: through these sketchbooks like somebody that has sketchbooks of this quality are they a tool you know we've talked off air about like jim woodring having shelf of sketchbooks in that documentary and i think he talks about going back through those and i wonder like if you're working at this level in your sketchbooks
0: is it a tool yeah i mean there are a lot of analogs from from this that show up in in the books of course man uh he's trying to get together he and Zweigoff like in the 70s were trying to put together a, a Bigfoot movie and they were gonna get gonna get those Mitchell brothers the behind the green door guys to uh bankroll that thing you know everybody's in San Francisco going nuts
1: that square dinosaur was so bizarre yeah
0: this is another one from that artistic comics like have you ever seen a better drawn pencil cartoony pencil like, yeah unbelievable but all this stuff is,
1: I'm as impressed by that as I am that cartoony pencil.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Like hitting it with um a, a, a it looks like a perfect circle. Like, so either a circle template or a compass and then turning it or into a cartoony a mug, piece. Or even a you know? Right, or yeah, a, yeah.
1: A plate or a cup or something sitting there. It's so hard to tell. And it, man, every time you turn a page and you see more of these figures, It's mind-blowing, like, how many of these figures are just running through these pages. Yeah. Highly rendered. And
0: just the observation, you know, the little rules and stuff there, it's genius.
1: There was mud back there. Like, that stoned um, sketchbook
0: page is that stuff that becomes a strip. Right. You know, it's interesting, man, because, like, what's the time period here? 68? Yeah, Maybe. Like I like I I would have assumed that that stoned again comes comes before this, because uh, that's in the early zap. Hey, maybe he's
1: revisiting it too. You know, just fooling around, absentmindedly waiting on a bus and fooling around in a sketchbook. It'd be funny to compare it and see if he's like made some improvement. If there's something in that the printed strip that bothered him, and here he is a couple years later fixing an error just for himself, figuring out the wrinkles. Always with the lettering. Anytime he's throwing in any kind of lettering, it just I love it. This is fun to me seeing a little bit of a less rendered, you know, this is what I think of as the sketchbook we've been looking at, but then here it is of like working it out but
0: quickly. And there will be a page that that comes from this, man, where where he reduces the female body down just to like little nubs.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of those drawings it's almost borderline like the um like one-line drawings, right? And we've looked at, um, you know, if you guys are into sketchbooks, we've looked at Chris Ware's sketchbooks, which are kind of an interesting comparison because they are equally rigorous. And a lot of comics being done in sketchbook f- sketchbook version right. of comics. You know, a lot of stuff that doesn't get translated into a final, but also shows you a cartoonist working, you know, thinking on his sketchbook pages. Great. Boy, these single line drawings are wild. Great gravity. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Venus de Milo shape. Right. Zoftig, I believe. Uh oh, he got a le- he got a new obsession. Beware, Miss Leela. Mm-hmm. You- you're gonna be given a piggyback ride in a minute. Uh that we're getting to the Aileen period, honey bunch.
1: The mashup too between like the really cartoony and then the stuff that's pretty observational. Yeah. You know, like maybe you'll see the face that's like totally a cartoon and then the rest of the body's rendered and tight. Weird. Tons of devotion to the figure drawing, though. And that, to me, is like the realistic, like the reference, you know, the observational drawing from uh, from real life.
0: And that's the stuff that it, um, it abuses like all classical training, the way he does it, because he works in pen without penciling and what do they teach you but you 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 do your warm-up you know five seconders 10 seconders 30 seconders and you have this like you know center line and all that stuff he's not doing that yet he's still having the same weight the same grace of figure
1: makes me curious to go to life drawing and go with a an ink tool yeah when we used to do figure drawing in school we would do all kinds of different tools like ink and and stuff it wasn't the norm but occasionally we would do it and that was you know that was kind of the idea is like well really look before you put that line down yeah i wonder how much um he committed to this kind of like straight to ink drawing because he wanted to make these comics you know like at the end of the day it's like comic book artist illustrator and the ink line
0: was it so don't even mess with the other stuff right he was so much uh, obsessed with those like late 19th century you know early 20th century thomas nast type guys that uh i think i think that that just dominated his mind right makes perfect sense i mean it's almost how
1: everybody works it's just what you get what dominates your mind changes from artist to artist but like in terms of you know you find that thing that speaks to you and then it is just
0: on this piece right here is like the culmination right of like cartooning plus observational drawing you know, down to like an- the antennas on the roof. Like the all these buildings, uh- these houses feel very sound, very right. solid. And then you everything get everything through- feels
1: accurate, right? And then you get to the clouds, and it's completely the cartoon cloud. And the girl's face, yes.
0: You know the the proportions, the body, all of it. He always draws shoes so well. He does, man. Like it takes you a minute to realize, like the front of the shoe comes up. Mm-hmm. Everybody s- draws it flat. Yeah.
1: For a while. And then it takes you years to actually be able to draw the front coming up and yeah. have it look right. Yeah. It's great whenever he has his characters walking, though, and you see, like, the whole shoe flipped up, and it still has that curve. Yes. It's very three-dimensional.
0: Yeah, no, he understands. Now, volume. when we get
1: here, what came in? What did <laughs> he cross paths with? Right. You know, is that Eileen's influence? Like, I wonder what he's looking at, what's entered his life that he's suddenly exploring some some new graphic
0: information i think i saw a little brush no probably probably like an actual dip pen with some of this yeah something heavy there
1: probably i was impressed by seeing the hands oh yeah anybody that draws good hands always impresses me and you know it's almost a subset of drawing from figures is like do some hands do some good hands why
0: it's always a book unto itself you know the andrew loomis stuff or whatever
1: that's great, that lunch drawing. So, yeah, uh,
0: social media before social media. Setting the precedent, you know, there are like no less than three volumes of his, uh, His what do you call it, my placement, placement drawings. Oh, dude, look at the tension in that finger. Mm-hmm. Like you just never see people draw something Pressure, like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, once you see it and it's done right, you know instantly. Yeah. You know, I saw um, what feels like fewer cover, cover mock-ups yep. throughout this sketchbook. It makes me think like where his head is in terms of maybe the underground comics at the time. Like that first volume may have been really a time period when he was just just doing so many covers for everything, thinking that way. And now this feels like a little bit of a departure from there. Right. Had the bean effect. It's
0: pretty interesting.
1: Boy, the drawing is just so complex here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it it is like finished drawing. Like, he's definitely using his dip pens here.
1: Also, the lettering. Like, just the combination of everything that's on these two pages. Man. Tight. Do you think if if you were to start drawing now, Ed, like start making comics now, knowing everything that you know at this point, do you just go to ink? you just say, like, look, it's going to be bad comics for the first couple hundred pages anyway. Let me just do them bad in ink. Like, yes. when I see some of those pages that have, like, a really complex composition, and to think, like, you can kind of stare at them and go, all right, maybe, yeah, I can, I can, I probably can't do this right now, but I can kind of see how this works. You yeah. know, you can see the pieces laid out. It seems
0: doable, possible. And then, like that's everything you need to make a
1: comic page. There,
0: you know, I'm trying. I'm, tr- I'm trying to. One of the reasons why we're looking at this, man, is is because I'm in that spirit of uh, doing da- a daily comic, and uh, that is a grind. That that is a pressure cooker, man. There is a lot to that. You know, there is a lot of sacrifice required for that. Uh, in terms of process, you got to try to shave off a little time here, a little time there. One of the things that I'm doing is uh, laying out my strips in. In procreate um i'll i'll kind of give like a rough kind of bubble character of 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 the figure but for the background i'm just slashing lines using the perspective grid i'm setting up my vanishing points that is all i have to go by when i go to uh, my finish board i will tighten up the figure a little bit and i'm going to be moving away from that uh to ink them but all the backgrounds are not penciled like it's just sketchbook and and it's you know it's a single line it's a thin line it divorces itself from the the characters it never touches and in fact it's the furthest i stopped the line further than i ever have uh on on a drawing keeping it further away from the character for clarity's sake and i really like it it's very much the way they did it in um old newspaper strips that had lots of hatching uh so i'm I'm ready for that. You know, I think, I think you have to work up to that. Now, Crum was still a young guy here, but we have clear evidence that he had the drawing time in of somebody 10 times his age. You know, like, like he had double the drawing time than, than somebody his age. So he already put in the 20,000 hours, the 30,000 hours to get to that place. I've seen Joe Cuber do some things, you know, draw a fucking gorilla, swing it from a tree from scratch, starting with the nose. <laughs> I saw it in front of my face man uh he was working for will eisner when he was 12 and i knew him when he was 70 or 80 so uh, you just got to get a couple decades in man and then here's the other thing about crumb 68 to
1: 75 is underground comic peak yeah i wonder like so this is probably one of his peak creative periods sure and now what? Do we dip a little bit, and then it's back in the eighties? Like he gets into weirdo, and he's doing it again. I don't know what he does in the late seventies.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I don't think he's ever stopped do, doing the comic stuff. Like his stuff was the stuff that would sell. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's ever he ever had a problem. And you know, we see that now. Like people are talking about like the glut of comics now that we're living in and all that stuff with like a lot of stuff that's happening in the news and things. And uh, we've we've we have a creep cottage industry of ourselves. You know that like. We could take care of our own thing. Robert Crumb definitely had that. They tried to get him to be a host on Saturday Night Live. You know what I mean? Like, this dude was a cultural icon. Uh, and I'm sure it was reluctant, to say the least, man. But in the spirit of just that natural cartooning, natural line, uh, allowing some real energy to be on the page, I had to take a look at this, man, and I had to share it with the cartoonist Cafe audience, man. You good to go? Yeah, I am. One one last comment on this, and it's just that because there are are there
1: six six, of these? six. so you imagine six volumes of this. You know, we're coming up to about here or so. Right. Um. I, I think that's the testament too to why this stuff is so important because this is an ongoing record of this cartoonist. Yes. And it covers enough of his work is in these sketchbooks that I mean, like this is the body of work. Yes. Like, this might be page count wise equal to the comics. You know, maybe it's, it's, it's less, way, but it's it's so much.
0: It's way more. Like it's way more than the the finished comics. And you raise a good point because uh, between six volumes, 500 page books a a piece, we're talking 3000 pages of artwork that he never thought would ever be seen by anybody on any real wide scale. It was just for himself. It's very much like um, you get closer to his thinking. Yes, looking at the that's, stuff. That's for absolute sure. You know, because because with that thought in mind, these are private at this point when he's putting them down. Uh, there is the like the placemat drawings. We saw some of those at the at the um, biennial right at, at, at Pittsburgh when when uh, they had the big art show. So much whiteout. And his late period sketchbooks so much out because that self-consciousness is there, because he knows people are going to see it. Yeah. I don't know that that was the case in the old ones.
1: You know, one, one last thought on all of this. We've heard, like, Drew Friedman talk about maybe the greatest living artist. Yeah. Not cartoonist, artist. And that carries some other stuff with it. And I wonder if you remove the sketchbooks from his body of work if that statement can be made because of the access you get to sort of his like thought process on these pages. And you can kind of see him seeing the world and working stuff out. It allows us to think of him as an artist in a way that if you remove that part, now it's this mystery that we don't have documented and we don't get to sort of like see motifs developing over decades or, you know, kind of see what he can do in terms of his facility as an artist. Um, Do you know what I'm saying there? Like I I do, I do. It's a good document. Of this guy, that if you remove it, I don't know that he's the world's greatest living artist. You need this part. You
0: need this insight. It's interesting to think about, man, because it, you know, there's a lot of exclusionary energy when it comes to fine art. There just is, and I think those German sketchbooks might have been a thousand. Uh, you know, there might have been a thousand of them. Fantagraphics didn't sell that many of those things. So, so it, to go with your thesis, if that's the case. A very few people in the world got got to see the, the the true artist and that's why i'm very interested in promoting these sketchbooks because they are they're more important than than the comics for all those reasons that you just described and i think that they're that tashin like they're available volume number four it's going to be a little tough for you and maybe another one or two of them are, are out of print but if you have any interest in these and you weren't lucky enough to get that old german set which i was not you know when once people get get their hands on them, they they hold on to them forever but this is a great facsimile i'm very proud to to, to own these and i'm very comfortable having these as as my as my set yeah and uh there's there's less uh upcharge which is always good for the pocketbook jimmy good to go i am Fabers like fully subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available we have a patreon for cartoonist kayfabe and uh the Kfabers. uh mitigate the kayfabe effect by getting the vids before anybody else uh they'll go on the tashin website and scoop up the last copies of a long out of print rubber crumb sketchbook or go on ebay and find a copy of volume four from somebody selling it who didn't realize that it's so out of print and it's only 40 bucks or something. Jump on the uh, Patreon, subscribe, uh, and, and uh, support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. We're also promoting Cartoonist Kayfabe comic book Christmas in July, which is our initiative to create more comic readers. Uh, for a healthy comics culture, man, you need people to read the things. So let's put comics where people are. And we're going around town to the free little lending libraries last Saturday in July. And we're going to be putting our comic book doubles. We're going to be putting our co- copies of our own comics into those free little lending libraries with the idea that somebody's going to stumble upon them, check them out, and maybe become future comic readers. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make. So, Jimmy, I want you to tell the people what you have uh, forthcoming.
1: I have Hulk Grand Design, Plain Janes, and Street Angel Deadly Squirrel Alive available right now in print wherever you buy books or comics. Street Angel Princess of Poverty will be my next graphic novel from Image Comics. Out later this year. It collects all the Street Angel comics that are not in Deadly Squirrel Alive. So if you have one, you need the other one, and together they make a complete set. Uh, my latest comic book, self-published, True Crime Funnies number one. This collects three short stories nonfiction, uh, color and black and white and um, they will be available on my website after we get back from Heroes. Beautiful, beautiful. If
0: I don't sell them all there. Yeah, man. But rest assured, I'll do another printing if that happens. Hip Hop Family Tree the Omnibus is coming to you, uh in time for the holidays. Gonna collect the four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree that are out there right now. These are just the uh, cover proofs. You see the size of that spine, 504 pages, 140 pages of extra material that is not in those first four volumes. Uh, we have sent it to press, and we have a finite print uh, amount that we've, we've created. There's a print run, so get yours sooner than later. Make sure you lock it in, pre-order it, go call your comic shop, make sure that they get it. Also in time for the holidays, it's going to be the X-Men Grand Design uh, trade paperback. we are calling it the X-Men Grand Design Trilogy. It's going to have all three volumes of X-Men Grand Design, all of my comics portion, maybe a little gallery of variant covers and stuff like that, I don't quite know. But that's coming out in time for the holiday season also. And uh, Red Room Crypto Killers is the comic that I'm working on these days. Uh, It is coming out on a monthly basis. The first issue is out. And the second issue, as of this recording, is coming out within a week or two. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. All of these uh, issues are completely self-contained stories. Uh, So if you see an issue of Red Room in the wild, scoop it up, give it a shot, read it. If you dig it, grab another. There are two trade paperbacks of that out there in the wild as we speak man so give those comics uh, a look jimmy what else do we have going on subscribe to the cartoonist
1: Kfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video you can also find cartoonist Kfabe t-shirts merchandise hats mugs fanny packs stickers and more at our spread shop that link is also under this video
0: all good ways to support the cartoonist Kfabe channel give them those marching orders and we'll be on our way make more
1: comics